Welcome back to Last Ones at the Bar, the one-stop shop for your boxing needs. My name is Daniel Lee. I'm here with co-host Lavelle Jackson. Uh, Will is on vacation, so safe travels to you, brother. Um, Vel, do you have any vacations you have planned upcoming? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure uh, the, the wife has something in mind. <laughs> Hopefully I can, we, we can make something happen. Um, still trying to wait on these vaccines and see if we both can get vaccinated. Yeah. I hear you. I am kind of wearing on it as well. But uh, as for me, I have some friends slash former co-workers who are having a destination wedding in Ecuador in August. So if I go to that deck, that's, that'll be kind of my, my one vacation for the for the year. Maybe not one vacation, but that's all I kind of have on the books. Yeah, Ecuador is big time. <laughs> that's South yeah, America. Man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be a cool experience, you know. Yeah. But let's get into this boxing, though. We had a few good fights yesterday. Mm-hmm. First of all, that's not on, on our, our list, but it's worth mentioning. Did you see that a hog bay knockout? Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, yeah, like, like they said, you heard you heard it, and, and that was all she wrote. He was he was out for the count. <laughs> the referee didn't, referee didn't even look at him. Like a split second into the referee was like, "Nah, that's it. Nah, new." Right. Don't even worry about that one. Good grief, that man got some power. He got some power, so he'll be you know it'll be interesting to watch. Him going forward in the uh, heavyweight division. For sure. For sure. Uh, but let's get into uh, Jerron Ennis and Sergey Lipinets. Um, what do you have? What, what thoughts do you have on that one? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, Jerron Ennis, Boots Ennis coming in this fight. He came in 26 and 0 with 24 knockouts, which is an excellent uh, knockout ratio. Um, his main issue is that. Uh, you know, as they said, that he doesn't have a lot of big names on his resume. He's still kind of in prospect uh, prospect land, uh, trying to step step up with Sergey Lipinets, who's uh, 16 uh, and one with 12 knockouts. Uh, he's, you know, has some been in there with with a few names over the years. Uh, Lipinets, uh, he was the one who, who uh, ended Lamont Pearson's career. Well, not in a bad way, but you know, it it, it was clear that. It was time for Lamar Peterson to, to hang it up when Lipnitz fought him. Uh, and, that, and that was a, a good performance for Lipnitz. And he was also uh, had a loss to Mikey Garcia, which wasn't like he, you know, Garcia would just, you know, beat him down or anything like that. So Lipnitz was known as a tough guy, a, a person who, who would test the power of Jerron Ennis um, and, and see how good he is, really. So uh, this fight, it, it went. Uh, kind of how I thought it was going to go. Um, Lipnitz did land a few punches, but um, he didn't have the power to really do anything and make Ennis even respect him. Um, so pretty much, Ron Ennis, I like the way he throws combinations. There, it's interesting because it, it's almost like he's throwing a hybrid between one shots and combinations because it's almost like he's he's uh, throwing these He's, it's like he's throwing one shots, but it's sped up. Like he's he's thinking through the combinations, which limits how he can get caught in between the combinations. Um, but it's like it, it doesn't even matter because once he hit, you know, once he hit Lipness, even with those one shotters, Lipness would like, you know, you, he would react and then Ennis would throw the second and third and fourth shots. Um, he put Lipness down in the fourth with a, a level uppercut uh, from a southpaw stance. Uh, cause we know, um, 
as we all know, Ennis is a is a switch hitter. He loves to switch between, you know, and he does it a lot in the fight. Like he does it, you know, in the, in the first round here where he started doing it. Um, so um, he just pretty much beat up Lipness some more and caught him with a right hand, uh, a right hand and a left hand in the sixth round, and pretty much. Uh, I don't think that knockout was as brutal as like um, the FA knockout, but that still was a it was a great performance. <laughs> he put pretty much put Lipness out cold. Where it, it was interesting because they run the bell. And I thought it was in and around, and, and, and it, but actually they rang the bell because they they're they signified this fight's over. It don't even count. So <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. I, I like the performance. Um, uh, Lipness was a tough. He's a tough guy, known to have a chin and known to be able to take a punch. So I was impressed by his performance. Yeah, I pretty much had it 50-44 in Ennis's favor prior to the stoppage. It's worth mentioning that Lippinets, that was his, I believe, his second and third knockdown of his career. But he had never been knocked out before. And so, you know, like you said, he had been in there with some names. And for, for, Ennis, for Boots to have pulled that off, the way he did was a good look. I'll get a little bit into that a little bit more later but um as far as the fight is concerned um when Ennis kept the range and, and jab he looked very good his jab was super sharp and you know he did a good job of finding the range when he fought on the inside he kind of stood there to be hit but like you said he took the punch as well he didn't really react he didn't respect Lippinette's punch power a lot I'm not sure if it's because Lippinette's campaign that smaller weight class before or if Ennis just has that much of a chin or a combination combination of both. It could be a combination of both, but that's just what I noticed. And um Ennis also did some solid body work in his second round and beyond, which probably opened up the opportunity to score the stoppage the way that he did up top. Cause uh, he was hitting it with some shots. All of his shots he was throwing with bad intentions, but um when he was inside he was able to find some success to the body. Um, he had already established a jab at that point. And so he kind of, he, he switched up. He kind of did what he needed to do. He got some solid reps in. Um, but props to Lippiness as well, because Ennis was storing. And he took a lot of shots. Like uh, Lip, Lippiness, you know, although he got knocked out, he took a lot of Ennis' shots well. And after that fourth round knockdown, he came back pretty strong to finish out that round. And so, you know, he's really a warrior. And, and, and really props to him. But Ennis... Basically, uh, like you said, it kind of went how I thought I was going to go. And Ennis looked very good in his in this step up. And as an aside, I'm just going to say this. I'm glad that Ennis looked the way that he did and he stepped up because – and I'm, I'm hoping he continues to fight often and continues to step up and look good like this because if we keep it in 1,000, if you ask me, I feel like the welterweight division is, is getting a little bit stale right now. Uh, I say that because many of the top welterweights have fought each other already. Uh, most of the fights that have not been made yet are, frankly, predictable, kind of predictable, more or less. And then the fight, there, there's more than one fight, but the but the fight everyone wants to see is either not going to get made at all or is going to get made too late. So, you know, that said, shout out to, to Ennis, shout out to these young guys, the prospect, shout out to Virgil Ortiz as well. But at some point, if they're not already, fight fans are going to be tired of seeing everyone fight each other again in the welterweight division, and they're looking for some new faces. So, 
you know, I'm hoping these guys continue to step up and look good and get to that level and, and kind of add some, a little bit of spice to the division, uh, more so than they are now already. Uh, did you have anything more on what I said or on the fight in general? Uh, sure. I, I do have to comment about um, how huge Ryan is looked in the fight. He's skinny. It's almost like he's thin, but he looks – he looks – he actually looks tall for the Westway division. I know he's listed as 5'10", but he looks even taller than that. And I think his reach, a lot, his 74-inch reach, it doesn't look like he has like a, you know, he's broad shoulder or anything. It looks like his arms are just long. It looks like he was hitting this from across the ring. He can hit guys from across the ring. Uh, it's like it's mostly in his arms. So it would be interesting to watch him, you know, going forward, uh, being that a lot of the welterweights are actually – uh, smaller than it, than they used to be, you know, and lengthwise, I think. Um, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, for sure. He's a young guy, and so it looks like he can, based on just just the eye test, it's like he can make that weight, continue to make that weight for a while if he wants to. Yeah, moving right along, we had a, a, another fight that was going on at the same time yesterday, and I, and I actually caught it uh, in the light heavyweight division. Um, the 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 uh, I call him the blue collar, you know, top guy, Joe Smith Jr. Uh, versus Maxime uh, Vlaskov. Uh, did you check that fight out, Danny? Um, what did you think about it? I did. I thought it was interesting, like, to watch the fight and then see the result. I wasn't super surprised, but, um, you know, for those who didn't see, uh, Joe Smith Jr. won a controversial majority decision for the vacant WBO belt. Um, the judges scored it 114, 114, uh, 115, 112, and 115, 112 in favor of Smith. Um, I will admit I hadn't heard much of Lassoff prior to this fight, but he was no slouch going into it. Um, you know, especially for Smith to have been such a big favorite. Um, Lassoff was 45 and 3 going into it with 26 knockouts. And uh, his only losses were to Isaac Chalimba in 2011. And those who know that name know that he he's a tough out for anybody in that in that light heavyweight division. Uh, but he he avenged that loss in 2019. He also lost to Zerto Ramirez in 2015. He lost to Gavoski in 2018 when he campaigned at cruiserweight. That was in the quarterfinals of the World Boxing Super Series, for what that's worth. But that said, I thought he started out the fight quickly. Um, his punches looked very 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 fluid and quick. Uh, he was getting in to uh, inside with Smith Jr. at kind of awkward angles, and and Joe Smith Jr. he looked pretty he he looked kind of confused and overwhelmed uh, for for uh, portions of that fight, and he was back to get some ropes for a good amount of the fight as well. And um, I just thought Vlasov stayed very busy and active, and he to me he won the entire first half of that fight. And but you know Joseph Jr. is a warrior, blue collar fighter, blue collar you know person in general. He came on later and he landed in spots and he even hurt Vasov a few times. But but he fought back. And I, I think the overall sentiment for me uh, after watching that fight was I didn't think Smith looked good enough in the latter half of the fight to make up for the former half of the fight. And I personally had it uh, one seventeen one eleven in favor of. Of Lassau because he even when when Joe Smith Jr. looked good, uh, he would come back 
And so it was, um, you know, there were some rounds where, where Joe Smith Jr., you know, you had to give it to him. But, again, if you if you get a first six, maybe seven rounds over and you don't really do much to come back for that, um, you know, I I just couldn't see him winning the fight. Maybe it was because they were in the U.S. And, you know, boxing is going to box him. But I just, I just also say that I think in general he performs better coming in as an underdog than a favorite. Because, again, he came into this one as a 4-1 favorite. Um, and he's been an underdog for a good amount of his life, you know. Like, he doesn't have that amateur pedigree. He wasn't really recognized at the at the world stage until he got that first-round knockout against uh, Fonfara in 2016, which landed him in a B-hop fight, um, which really put him on the map. And then after that, he won the belt. And more or less, uh, you know, that was Bernard Hawkins' retirement fight. And uh, after that, he... He uh, lost to Sullivan Barrera, and then another a few fights later to Dimitri Bivol, and it was kind of written off. But now he's back here as a champion, you know. So you know, even if you don't like how he looked in the fight, uh, you know, I have to give him props for that. And shout out to both fighters. And objectively speaking, I do feel that feel bad for Vassal because he looked really good, and you could just tell he's pretty dejected after after you know the ref raised Smith Jr.'s hand. Yeah, um, I think the, the 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 controversy of the scorecards may take it away from that. You know, this was actually a pretty good fight. Um, I, I I can't say for sure that Joe Smith Jr. won this fight, but I I, I can I can see how someone can think that it, it definitely was a uh, you know back and forth action for for some of the rounds, and I think that he did land some some hard punches. Um, I thought it was a lot of it was the effect of you know him being that four to one favorite and being pretty much overwhelmed by uh by Blaskov. I mean Blaskov, you know, he was as you said, he was using those angles. He he was almost fighting like a a poor man's a Sergio Martinez. You know, he had the hands down and and, it, and I think that even though that helped him in a fight against Smith, I think that hurt him also because Smith was able to catch him with some shots and and um some eye catching shots. That I, I think he shouldn't, if you wanted to win the fight, he shouldn't have been getting caught with. Uh, but it was an action-packed fight. I thought that um, the the seventh round, I think Smith started to really get to try to wear uh, Vlaskov down with, with some of the body shots. Uh, but Vlaskov, he, he rebounded, you know, um, and it looked like he had Smith hurt, I think, in the ninth round. Um, but also, um, I think Smith, Smith actually – Kind of hurt. Uh, I think it was a tenth or eleven round. He hurt. <laughs> he hurt Blaskov pretty bad. Um, it was ruled behind in the head, which I thought uh, that that was accurate. It was kind of behind the head, um, but I did think they gave him a look. And I've seen fights where shots like that didn't count as a behind the head shot, and it, that was a knockdown. But also, I, there's been times where um, people aren't given that type of time to recover. Um, but credit to Blaskov because it, it, he, he 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 toughed it out in those last two rounds, and I think if if you were going to pick a winner, he earned it from that because he really will. I felt he was hurt uh, late in that fight, and he, and he really came back. Um, and with Smith, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's the reason why I'm kind of disappointed in, in him getting his hand raised, even though I can understand why he got, had his hand raised because it wasn't like he just. Um, to me, he didn't totally just lose the fight, but I thought they had opportunity to stop 
Laskoff and he didn't because his shots was just so wide and he was uh, so sloppy that that he was he was smothering his own shots. And I th- and I thought it and, and I and right after the, the bell rang the tw- from the 12th round, I thought he was probably going to lose and and that this would be that lesson that to not you know be like that. Um, but shout out to both guys. I, what I don't want is for Joe Smith to go into a fight with Bivol, Bitterbeeb, and, and you know any of those guys. Uh, I'm sure I would probably favor those guys over him, but I think Vlaskov really earned his a rematch. And I and of course I would, I would want to see a rematch. But the sad part about it is Smith can perform well in a rematch and stop Vlaskov possibly, and then this fight will be you know a race. And I thought Vlaskov. Um, as you said, he fought his heart out, and, and he did deserve to, in the respect, he did deserve to get his hand raised. You know, to your point, I would like to see a rematch because it was, you know, result aside, everything aside, it was a, it was a real good fight to see. And I think, you know, I, I wouldn't want to see him. It, it's almost like for for Joe Smith Jr. outside of like defending his title against a mandatory, it's almost like the unification against Better Be Ever Bivol would be the way to go, like natural next step. But I would rather. Yeah, I'd rather see the, the rematch instead. But um, I know that we missed last week, um, and the fight happened last week, but we're also going to go ahead and recap the Carl Frampton versus Jamel Herring fight. Um, I did not see that personally, but, Vel, I understand you did. How did you? I actually like this fight. I mean, I, I loved everything about it. Uh, you got to love uh, Jam- Jamel, Jamal Herring. Um, if you didn't see it, <laughs> um it was a great fight. Uh, I mean, great performance by by Herring. He kept his jab into uh, used his jab, utilized it to keep Frampton off him. Um, of course, Herring had like a five inch height advantage, and you know, um, I think it was a five inch reach advantage. Also, a lot of people thought because of you know Frampton's toughness and, ex- and experience. Um, and him, and even that he's like a year younger, maybe that he would he would you know tough this fight out against Herring. I actually called this fight correctly, except that uh, Herring outperformed what I thought he was going to do. Um, I always thought that Herring's size was going to be too much, um, and plus he's you know he was like a lightweight moving down to one thirty, um, fighting Crampton, who's pretty much a a featherweight, pretty much moving up to one thirty. Um, and and Herring pretty much uh, he put his style to play. He used his length. Um, whenever uh, Frampton got close, he made him pay, which I I, I was definitely impressed with that aspect of the fight. Um, uh, he definitely used his size. Uh, um, and Frampton even tried the fourth. I think he was coming on trying to get in the inside. He was successful at at spots, and I actually even had him uh, winning, you know, the fourth round. But then Herring caught him. You know, with a, a a combo left hook in the in the, uh, a counter left hook in the fifth, and um, Frampton went down. I mean, he was hurt, but he, he got back up, toughed it out. Uh, the next round, the sixth round, uh, Herring caught him again with an uppercut, putting Frampton down for the count. Um, and 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 Frampton, you know, got up, and you know, he was he never was really recovered. Got hurt some more, and this this uh, corner finally just said, "That's it." Um, now, what I like, it's interesting because like, even though this fight was a good fight, I like most about this fight is the guys' respect um, uh, amongst each other. Uh, Frampton, always classy. He didn't um, he didn't give any excuses. He did say this would be his last fight. 
but at the same time, he didn't have an excuse to say, I'm, I'm old or, or this. I've been in too many wars. He said, he actually said this is one of the best training camps he had. So he didn't have any excuses. He lifted Herring up. And Herring, respect, he didn't put Frampton down or anything like that. You can tell that uh, both guys respected each other. And, and I can tell where, where Hampton is, 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 was very smart, where I think a lot of African-American fighters, were, you know, they could. He showed a different angle. I mean, he gained the respect of the British audience. And, and I, I think he left that uh, stadium with British fans. And I think Herring is going to be very, very interesting to watch uh, going forward. Uh, I know there's fights with uh, Valdez, possible fights with Valdez and, and, and Tank that can happen. And I, and I think there's also, I've heard talk of him moving up to 135. I think it's going to be interesting uh, to, to see. I mean, I'm not saying he's like the best of the bunch or anything, or he's going to just walk through guys, but he's a live, you know, cat for any of those guys in 130 and 135, in my opinion. Uh, anything you want to share on that? I know you didn't see the fight, but I know um, there's probably some stuff you may want to share on that, Danny. First, you already said it, but uh, I just wanted to give you your props because uh, you was the only one out of the three of us that called it correctly. So shout out to you for that, sir. Um, yeah, I did go back and see the highlights of it, and it was it was an exciting fight fight to watch uh, for from the highlights of it at least. And and yeah, I just one of the things I like about the sport in general is just, you know, when the fighters do have that mutual respect for one another. I even saw that uh, Jamel Herring's wife had tweeted about, like, how, how like, amicable Frampton was to them. Like, I guess he had met her and her family, and he was just very, like, it was just, like, a lot of respect there. And, and like you said, Franklin, uh, I'm sorry, Frampton went out on his shield, uh, both in terms of his career and the fight, and he didn't make any excuses. He said he would do this, and he did it. He had a very, a very good career. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm happy. It's always good to see a fighter make a living off of the sport and, and be able to enjoy the rest of their lives with their family. So I'm happy that he was one of those fighters that was able to do that. Uh, real stand-up guy. Yeah, real stand-up guy. Um, <laughs> so moving right along, um, uh, around the same weight class, we're just moving one weight class up to the lightweight division where, you know, Herring may end up one day. We have another uh, a tall, tall, lightweight. Uh, he's going to be stepping up against uh, an experienced, tough foe. Um, we have uh, Ryan Garcia, um, the famous lightweight by Golden Boy Promotions, promoted by Golden Boy Promotions, against Javier Fortuna. Um, Danny, how do you see this fight playing out? Yeah, so, um, you know, apparently the athletic – has reported that they've agreed the terms to uh, to this fight in July in either LA or Vegas. It's not on box rec yet, but it's you know that's what the reports are saying. Um, I think this is a, a good fight for Garcia, and I'll tell you why in, in a second. But just to kind of lay it out there, Garcia is twenty one and zero with eighteen knockouts, five foot ten, seventy inch reach, twenty two years old. Uh, he last stopped Luke Campbell. At the beginning of the year, on that January second fight this year, uh, for Tuna's thirty-six and two with twenty-five knockouts, five six and a half, sixty-eight and a half re- inch reach, thirty-one years old, and he last stopped Antonio Lozada uh, back in November of last year. Now, I said this when I predicted the the Lozada fight when Fortuna fought him, but 
I don't think he does. I don't think Fortuna does well when he gives up big height advantages against skilled fighters. I didn't think Lozada necessarily had the skill to take advantage of that because he just seemed overwhelmed from the start. But, um, you know, Robert Easter had that skill. And I think, you know, he, he's, not, he's only given up three and a half inches here, but I think Ryan Garcia has that skill. Um, I say I think this is a good fight for Garcia because he just fought a skilled southpaw um, and Fortuna fights in southpaw. And I think that he'll do a good job of keeping the distance. And if and when Fortuna gets on the inside, I think Garcia will use his hand speed and his power to to make him not really want to get inside anymore. Um, Garcia Garcia stopped uh, Luke Campbell in seven rounds, I believe. I, I could see Garcia stopping Fortuna here in five or six rounds. But I think it'll be a good fight for as long as it lasts. Um, you know, it might not be the fight that we wanted to see from Garcia, which is another tangent I go off on, but I will not on this episode. But um, I think it'll be a good fight for him, and it'll be a good – I might call it a stay busy fight, but it's, it's going to be a good test for him either way. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of agree with you, but I, I do think that it's, it's a uh, good fight for Garcia. I don't think it's a step down pretty much. Javier Ortuna, he is a you know a tough customer. Uh, I, I just think the talent gap is I, th- I think it might be too wide. But if, you know, of course, with Garcia, there's always questions about him that still hasn't been answered. I mean, he answered some in the Luke Campbell fight, but as you saw, he was hurt in that fight also. I mean, Campbell was able to put him down. So it'll be interesting to see if Fortuna could have that same success as a, a, a southpaw. Um, I'm not sure if he will. I, I think. Garcia is probably going to go at him uh, immediately. And as you said, he could stop him out. He can stop him within, you know, the early to mid rounds. I think if Fortuna Tuna puts up a, a fight, I think that's when we'll see Garcia. I, I don't think outside the Campbell fight, I'm not sure we ever seen Garcia in a firefight. And I think if Fortuna can survive the, the, the early onslaught of speed, I think it'll be interesting fight going down the stretch. But uh, it's hard to see see that happening. I think Garcia, the talent gap is – I think that speed is going to come into play. And as you said, Garcia is a lot taller and longer, and he's going to try to make a statement. I think he's going to – I, th- I, I want to say he's going to try to get uh, Fortuna out of there early. And I think that's what's going to make it a, a, a interesting fight. Um, but it's, it's a pretty good – I wouldn't necessarily call it a stay-busy fight per se because I, I think that's, a long, that's really along the level that – Garcia is kind of at. I, I don't think he's like a world champion yet or anything like that. Um, but I think it's a step in the right direction. Being, being that he can't, he, he hasn't gotten the the the, the top guys, you know, Tank, um, uh, Lopez, and uh, Haney. Being he haven't gotten those guys, I think Fortuna, you know, Fortuna or will be is a, is a good test for him. And I think even well. Uh, of course, uh, what's his name just moved up, Robert Easton Jr. I think that would be an excellent step up fight for for any one of the lightweights, you know. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to watch. Um, well, it's, it's so many questions about Ryan Garcia. I know I used to say he gives me Amir Khan vibes, and he kind of impressed me with being hurt against Luke Campbell, but still, it's kind of like uh, I'm not 100% sold on his toughness yet in this fight. Could could bring some of that out of him. 
Um, any other thoughts? Yeah, no more thoughts on that one. Uh, we do have one more fight to to cover that has been it's been reported that they've agreed on a June fight, a June date on Showtime. It's not on box rate yet, but uh, we have it's looking like it's going to be Jason Banana Rosario versus Erickson Lubin at the 154 pound division. Um, how do you see that one playing out? This would be an interesting fight. I actually uh, like this fight for Lubin, but I don't like this fight for Rosario. Um, and I'll say why later. Uh, but Banana, Jason Banana Rosario coming into this fight. Uh, 20 wins, two losses, one draw, 14 knockouts. But he's known as a, 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 a puncher. We, you know, we've seen him. He, he has considerable size for a light uh, middleweight. He's 5'11". We've seen that. Uh, him in a play against um, J Rock Julian Williams, uh, we we upset it upset it Williams in a, um, a a good fight for him. Um, then we against Erickson Lubin, uh, who was twenty three and one with sixteen uh, knockouts. Um, Lubin is kind of a, to me he's kind of a small light middleweight. Um, he's about five foot nine. I think if Lubin tried, he probably could make welterweight. Uh, he just seems thin and small to me. But I think I like his style better in this fight, and I think um, these both—they both have a common opponent, who is um, Jamel Charlo. Um, both have been stopped by him. I think Jason Rosario's stoppage was a was a little more brutal, even though Lubin's, Lubin's stoppage was probably more affecting. But from a mental standpoint, I think Lubin's stoppage was um, more uh, mentally affect, uh, affecting to him. But at the same time. Lubin has, you know, had this is about four or five years ago, about what three, four years ago, and Lubin has rebuilt himself up since then. He's he's uh, put together a nice string of wins and gotten his confidence back. Um, also, I think Rosario's um, Rosario's coming right off of that loss to to Charlo, and I, I'm not sure if he 100 percent recovered uh, from that loss. Uh, of course, I think he's going to be a live, uh, a live dog in this fight, because, just simply because of his power, and, and simply there's still questions about Lubin and him taking punches. But in my opinion, I think Lubin has uh, done very well, and, and uh, since that that Charlo loss, um, I, I mean, he's he's not who I thought he was. I mean, but it's not to to, to harp on. That's not in a negative light. I think. He is what he is, but I think he should be enough to beat Rosario, who's coming off that brutal loss. I don't think Rosario has totally uh, recovered from that loss. Uh, if you ask me, I think – I mean, props to Rosario for taking this fight because it's like a real, real tough fight for him coming off that loss. Um, he doesn't have to do it. Um, if I was in anyone's management, I would probably give him a tune-up fight first, have him fight someone just to get his you know, feet wet, get his confidence back. Uh, um I definitely don't like this fight for Jason Rosario. Um, I, I think Lubin is, is, is going to um, outbox him in spots. And, and I think if, if, if he's able to hurt Rosario, he's going to stop Rosario. You made some interesting points. Um, I This one is hard for me to predict, to be honest, because – so there's questions about both of them, right? Because – so Rosario looked very good in against J Rock, but was 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 that more J Rock or, or where you know or was that more Rosario? And then he didn't look great 
against obviously against Jamel Charlo. But was that just Charlo that good, or was you know is that just like this is who Rosario is? And then even if you look at the Lubison fight, uh, you know he's bounced back since that Charlo loss, and that is their one common opponent. But when he fought Goucher, he looked very good in the first half of the fight, but then he looked not so great in the second half of the fight. So it's like, is the first half of that fight, his first half Lubin more of who he is, or is it the second half of, 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 of Lubin? Like, which version is it? And so I think it'll be a good fight. I think it'll be a compelling fight. I think where it could get interesting is, you know, going back to my question about is it second half or first half Lubin, I think Rosario is going to try to take him into deep waters so he can find out, so we can answer that question. Um, you know, he's proven himself to be a skilled fighter near the top of the division. He, You know, he just held two of the titles, major titles in that division. I don't really hold that Charlo loss against him because to answer that question, I think Charlo is just that good of a fighter. Um if it if it doesn't go long, I could see Lubin winning. But if it does go into into the deep rounds, into the championship rounds, maybe um, I could I, I I would give the edge based on what I have seen. Um, I would actually give Rosario a little edge, like not a not a big one at all, but. I would give Rosario an edge. Yeah, that's an interesting statement. Because now, now that, that you stated that, I have to think about it. I have to rethink that. I I, I think Lubin is kind of a hot and cold fighter, and he, I think he'll do well. Um, as you said, up until the late rounds, I'm not sure if Lubin is the type of fighter that, even though he does, I'm not going to say fade, but he, he does let fighters take over in the second half. I don't think he, the type that, do it out of being tired, which I think would be bad for him against Rosario. Um, the the key in this fight for Lubin will be to to, to take um, Rosario's confidence earlier. If he takes his confidence early, he can ca- ca- probably cruise this one out. But if he lets Rosario into this fight in, in any way, I think Rosario if Rosario gets confidence. I think Rosario will win if he gains if he gains if Lubin allows him to gain his confidence back. Um, but but it's still, I think the mental aspect of that Charlo loss and how, I, really how that loss happened and what people were saying. Some people were saying they quit and all that. Some I've heard talk they people saying they quit, which I don't think is accurate. I mean, it was a hard shot, but all that stuff is going to be in the back of his mind. I I, I think that Lumen's probably going to cruise this one out, but it'll be an interesting fight to see. Um, but also uh, that, that that reminds me of of. of Another uh, fighter at 154 pound. I haven't heard anything, uh, anything down the pipeline with Ness Tony Harrison. I'm like, where's Tony Harrison? Are they not? Are the the other fighters not talking about him? Are they ducking him? What is he doing? Because <laughs> I think um, he's an interesting guy for that division right now. I, you know, he's a he's a he's a good opponent to have. I, I'm not sure if his style is, is something that I think people are afraid of maybe i don't know i mean we, we saw that charlo stopped them but you know maybe that's a good fight i think uh this is way off the topic but i think harrison and uh j-rock would be an excellent fight you know what funny you say that because i was actually looking up um you know to close that episode not that i'm closing out right now but i was looking up uh what what was coming up next week 
And he's actually on a Fox card against Bryant Perella. So, you know, assuming Harrison does what he has to do, um, he could find himself in a in a fight against either one of those guys or or against you know or yeah, against yeah, that, that'd be interesting. Um, um, so we'll see. You know, Harrison is like a six footer. You know, at one fifty four. Um, and that's what I talk about. It's almost like these welterweights are are smaller today, but the light middleweights are they seem to be bigger than they used to be. <laughs> and, and they're like six footers. Huge man, you got you got. Yeah, you got Fedora six five. Then you got you little know, Brian Castanio, but he's like a whirlwind. So uh, we'll we'll talk about that one next week. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully that potential fight develops more with uh, potentially with him and, and Jamel Charlo because that would be a that would be a unification for for all the marbles yeah. at, at one fifty four. Uh, but uh, this was a this was a nice <laughs> solid episode, I think. Effective aggression, I, I like it. Um, next week we have, you know, I already brought up Harrison, but, uh, we have Demetrius Andrade and, uh, Liam Williams fighting on the zone, um, on the Jake Paul and Ben Askren undercard, uh, Regis Prograce is actually fighting Ivan Redcash. Um, so that should be, you know, interesting. It would be good to see him back in action. Um, <laughs> are you buying that? that uh, I, I don't plan on it. Uh, I know we're catching on YouTube or something, but either, who, Hey, who knows? They, they they give me a deal, I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I don't I don't really I I want to watch some I I want to catch a progress fight, right? But like I don't know, man. Maybe we got to figure out a way to. Hey, man, get some vaccines, man. Get somehow. back to the fight know, parties. Man. <laughs> uh, explain it that way, you know. For sure. <laughs> but hey, man, thanks everyone for listening. You know what to do. You know, follow us on the socials. Follow us on IG. Follow us on Twitter. Last ones at the bar. Um, there's only one T in last ones at the bar on Twitter. Um, definitely like and subscribe uh, to our YouTube channel. Last ones at the bar. Other than that, Peace. everyone have a beautiful Monday.